turn to 1 Samuel 16. And uh, if you do not have our new Sunday school lesson, lesson number 10, uh, if you'll raise your hand, uh, Brother Colton can get one to you. Uh, lesson number 10 we're looking at today, the journey to the Valley of Ella. And uh, we're going to be looking here at 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to look at the first 13 verses of chapter 16. Oh, I'm thankful for coffee, by the way. 1 Samuel 16, look at verse 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do, and thou shalt anoint me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming, and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves, and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons, and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he took on uh, he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the, Lord the Lord's anointed is before him. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let's pray together. Lord, we are certainly thankful for your word this morning. Lord, as we examine and look at King David, Lord, as we look at his calling, Lord, as we see the journey that you would lead him on, a journey of faith that would lead him to stand before a giant named Goliath of Gath in the Valley of Ella. Lord, I pray as we ponder just a little bit this morning this walk of faith that you gave your servant David. Lord, I pray that we would grow. Lord, I pray that we would see that sometimes the difficulties and trials and battles of life are, Lord, in our way not to hinder us but to help us and to prepare us for greater things. 
Lord, I pray that we would walk by faith. Lord, I pray if there's one here today, gathered here now or coming, that knows you not as Savior, Lord, I pray that they would understand saving faith today. I pray that they would trust and call upon you. Lord, I pray for every believer here today as we ponder this thought and this truth, Lord, that we would grow together. Bless us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We see here in 1 Samuel chapter 16, in these first few verses, we see God calling King David. As we think of the greatness of David and the greatness of this man that God would use mightily, I want you to think about how many have ever been to California and seen the redwood trees? Anyone ever got to see them in person? A couple of you have. Uh, I've never got to see them. Uh, I've seen pictures. Uh, I've often thought how amazing it would be to see those giant redwood trees. Uh, But those giant redwoods in Northern California, uh, from what I have read about them and seen pictures, have an effect on people as they come. People will be talking and come together and see an instant quiet, just seeing the immenseness and the size of those trees. The tallest redwood ever measured uh, was more than 378 feet tall. Uh, That was in the year 2000 it was measured. Uh, Some of the coastal redwoods in Northern California have been growing for 2,000 years. Think of that, if you will. Some of the trees alive today, those giant redwoods in coastal California, Northern California, uh, were possibly seedlings when Jesus came in the manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Uh, when many of those old redwoods were first sprung up, Julius Caesar was in power. Imagine the time, uh, the growth of those giant redwoods. We ponder the immensity of such trees and such growth, and we think of the power of God to create such a wonder. It's said that there is really no disease that affects them. They're almost completely disease intolerant, uh, insect intolerant. The only thing that can damage them some is fire, but uh, the bark on those redwoods is so thick that even uh, forest fires don't seem to destroy many of them when it travels through. Uh, it was They are giant trees. When we think of David, You and I think of a giant. We think of a giant of a king. We think of a giant of a servant of God. We think of a man that did things that we sit in awe and wonder. How could God use David so mightily? But we're going to see this morning as we begin our journey looking at David and his call and his journey finally to Ella where he would meet Goliath of Gath. We see the beginning, the sprouting, the seedling of David. Not David the king, but David the young son of Jesse. No king in the history of Israel has been more loved. No king was spoken well of as much as King David. He became a giant for God among men. Now, 
David did many, many wonderful things, but most of the time when we think of David, we think of his battle, the battle with Goliath, the battle with the Philistines. Now, there was a time uh, when God's people, as we looked at last week, said to, king, to, Saul, to Samuel, the prophet, we want a king. We want to be like all the other nations. Give us a king. We want to have a king. And God allowed them to have that. God gave them a man named Saul, a man that was head and shoulders above all the other men of Israel. And the people said, we want him. We choose him. He's our king. And God gave them Saul to be a king. And by the way, when Saul became the king, Saul was a good man. Saul was not seeking promotion. He was not seeking position. He was not seeking power. Rather, he basically had the attitude, I can't do this, I need God. But there came a time when King Saul said, God, I don't need you right now. I've got all I need. I can handle it. I've got this king business down. I, I, I got it figured out. I think I can handle this power thing. And God had rejected him. God had rejected Saul from being king. He had made sacrifice wrongly. He had disobeyed God in disobedience. The Bible says that disobedience as a son of witchcraft. And Saul was rejected by God, and God came to Samuel. And God told Samuel to anoint a new king. Imagine, if you will, Brother Bonnie is King Saul. And Brother Bonnie finds out, if I'm Samuel, that I'm going to announce, I'm going to anoint Colton to be the next king. If I'm on my way to anoint him as king, how many of you have a guess as what Brother Bonnie or King Saul might do to me? Uh, he's going to protect what he has. He doesn't want to let loose that power. Uh, if I'm on my way to anoint a new king, the king's going to kill the prophet. And Samuel was fearful. By the way, sometimes we fear man more than God. God reminded Samuel he could trust him. But God told Samuel, Samuel, do this. Take, take a heifer with you. And when you go past Saul and on your way to Bethlehem and Saul says, where are you going? Don't tell him I'm going to anoint a new king in your place. Tell him I'm going to make sacrifice. By the way, uh, you don't always have to tell everything you know. How many of you knew that? But he's gone. He's, got, he's leading the heifer, and he's gone for sacrifice, and he goes and he invites Jesse. He invites Jesse's family. And Samuel told Saul uh, that he would come in seven days. By the way, backing up a little bit, when S Saul went to obey God uh, in this matter uh, of destroying all the people. He did not obey, but uh, he was supposed to. Samuel said, I'm coming back. Samuel found Saul disobedient. And, and we'll see the passage here where God rejected him. It says in 1 Samuel 13, verse 6, And when the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, uh, excuse me, for the people were distressed, then the people did hide themselves in caves and thickets and rocks and high places and pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead for a soul. He was yet in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. Now, on the seventh day, 
Saul got tired of waiting. He got tired of waiting for Samuel. And he offered a sacrifice. By the way, that was in direct disobedience. But, but, but pastor, he did something good. He sacrificed. By the way, if I do something good the wrong way, it's not good. By the way, much sin, much sin that is committed is good things committed out of order. It's not inside the boundaries of what God wants. And Saul was not permitted to make sacrifice. Now, sacrifice was a good thing, but Saul was not permitted to do so. Saul made sacrifice as he was tired of waiting on the prophet. He was presumptuous. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 13, and Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And I want you to listen to this verse, the pronouncement of the prophet from God upon the king. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. Saul said, I, I'm not going with you. Or Samuel said, I'm not going with you because you've rejected God and God's rejected you. Now, we come to Jesse, the little seedling of Jesse, David, the young shepherd boy. Not yet a mighty giant tree for God. Not yet the great king of Israel. Not yet the one that would be carried on the shoulders of the people as they sang the song, Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens of thousands. Not yet would David have a band of men around him we know as David's mighty men who would be willing to charge hell for him. David just the seedling, the seedling of Jesse. And we see some things about this journey of faith for David. We see, number one, in your notes, we see David's calling. A new king had to be chosen. Look, if you will, at verses 7 through 13 in our text again. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For the man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now, let's pause here for a moment as we think of David being called. God's people, as they were over here looking out on all the different nations of the world, they said, hey, everybody has a king. We want a king. Give us a king. When God said, okay, I'll give you a green light, they looked around. And they said, hey, that guy back there, he's the, that's the biggest man in all the country. He's the tallest. He's a, he's a big man. He's head and shoulders. My wife and I are not exactly the same height. How many of you have noticed that? I used to, I teased with my buddies before my wedding. I said, hey, I said, when I get married, 
I said, when they say you can kiss the bride, I said, I'm going to just pick her up, kiss her, and then set her back down. I didn't do that because she would have smacked me, but I, I thought about it. Uh, but uh, she only comes up to about right here. So I'm head and shoulders above her. The Bible says that King Saul was head and shoulders above all the men of Israel. He was an exemplary specimen of a man. He's the kind of guy, you guys that like to play basketball, if you were picking teams in the nation of Israel back then. Uh, Brother Bonnie, did they play basketball? And then, I don't think they did. I don't know. Uh, they didn't have any Filipinos to teach them how to play. But if you were picking teams for basketball, you'd have went, yep, um, Saul, he's on my team. I want him. You probably wouldn't have picked David. Now, the nation of Israel looked around and said, that's the guy we want because he fits our standard of what we think it takes. This is what we think a king looks like. Can I tell you, whenever David was called, as we see the calling of David, if we read down the rest of the passages there through verse 13, we would find that Samuel and I believe Jesse had the same mentality. Whenever God said, go to the house of Jesse and anoint his son to be king, Samuel goes and says, ha ha, that right there, that's got to be the king. <laughs> I mean, he, he, no doubt he was the tallest, the strongest of the sons of Jesse. He said, that's the one. And God said, that's not him. And Jesse brought another son and said, hey, it wasn't him. It's probably this one. And Jesse said, not that one. And not that one. Finally, it says seven more came. And he said, it's none of these. Is there anyone left? The Bible tells us that Jesse said, yeah. But he's watching the sheep. His name is David. And Samuel said, we are going nowhere until he comes. Young David, the shepherd, how many have ever been around sheep before? You know, you know most of you, you, your experience with animals is either at the zoo or on TV. And they look so, so cute. You know, little lamb, you know, you see the cute little lamb with the white fluffy fur. They stink. They're kind of Gross. And they recycle things that they eat, and it goes on the ground, and, and you step in that recycled lamb food. Uh, can I tell you, David probably didn't smell the best. David had been living out with a sheep. He, he wasn't a big man. Complexion different than his brother's, and he came in, and I'm sure when Samuel saw, Samuel saw him, he went, surely not. Surely not. But the Bible tells us here in verse 7, the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. If we skip down to verse 12 in our text, it says, And he sent and brought him in, and he was ruddy and with all the beautiful countenance. And goodly to look to, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him. For he, this is he. Verse 13, the Bible says, And Samuel took the horn of oil 
and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Letter A in your notes this morning. I want you to see the purpose. The purpose of David's calling. God sent Samuel to the house of Jesse because God had already chosen. He'd already picked out. He had already picked David to be the king. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, notice back in the beginning of our text, and the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. I want to give you a, a, a truth here to help you. A lot of time we spend our life waiting and mourning what will never be. Christian, how many times have you spent complaining to God, being discouraged, upset over something that doesn't matter? Not going to happen. God said, Saul is, I reject him. Samuel was mourning. God had to come to the prophet Samuel, the most godly man in his day, and say, hey, get over yourself. Quit wasting my time and wasting your time. Quit belly aching over the fact that Saul's not king. Go do something. Christian, don't get caught in the trap of regret. Don't get caught in the trap of depression over what can never be or what could have been that would not be. But realize that God has a today for you. A lot of people live yesterday. A lot of people live in the past. A lot of people spend today thinking about what happened way back here. And God said to Samuel, get your horn, fill it with oil, and go anoint a king. Christian, don't let failure, don't let discouragement, don't let lost opportunities handicap you. Leave it behind you. Go forward for what God has. God told Samuel to go. There are two reasons why a new king was being chosen by the Lord. First, Saul was chosen as king by the people. The scriptures record that they said, hey, we want a king. Give us a king. They demanded a king. It says in 1 Samuel 8, 5, And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways, and thou makest a king to judge us like all the nations. 1 Samuel 15, 11, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for it turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments, and it grieved Samuel. And notice this phrase, he cried unto the Lord all the night. The grief that Saul caused to the nation of Israel and to the prophet, the godly man. Second, God was looking for a man after his own heart. The nation of Israel were looking for a man that fit their ideal. 
their ideal of what a real man was, what a real king was. God was not looking for a giant. By the way, I have no doubt, no doubt in my mind that God perfectly planned for David to face the giant Goliath to prove to God's people God doesn't need strength. He doesn't need height. He doesn't need power. He needs the heart. What was God looking for? God was looking for a man after his own heart. God wanted a king who was after him. A king who was willing to obey his commands. God was looking for the same thing that he's looking for in your heart and my heart today as believers. He wants us to honor him. God's not looking for superstars. God's not looking for someone, oh, wow, they've got so much ability. Praise God for the abilities God's given you. And by the way, God gave it to you. But God doesn't need ability. God needs availability. God needs availability. Christian, as we see here the purpose of David's calling, understand God was calling a king. For Samuel 16, verse 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, nor his height of his stature, because I have refused him. The Lord seeth not as man seeth, for he looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. What was the purpose? God was seeking a man after his own heart. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning about David's heart. David's heart. Some of you probably saw the picture I put on social media several weeks ago, proving that I have a heart. How many of you saw that picture? Uh, I don't have a whole heart anymore. I have about two-thirds of a heart left. Uh, I put a picture up of the heart of the moose uh, that decided to come home with me for supper, many suppers across an entire year. And I ate some of that heart. I examined that heart a little bit. Can I tell you that we can examine the heart of King David in the book of Psalms? We see David's heart. We see he had a believing heart. The Lord is my shepherd. David had a teachable heart. We see in Psalms, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. In Psalm 23, we see the heart of the psalmist, the heart of the shepherd psalmist, King David. David had a holy heart. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Righteousness. He had a confident heart. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. A confident heart. He had a thankful heart. My cup runneth over, reminded me about my cup. David had a fixed heart. Surely 
goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You see, God was seeking not the stature of a king. God was not seeking the power and the strength of a king. God was seeking for the right heart. Years ago, I was going to buy a vehicle for our family. I say our family. Uh, my family was my wife and I and my dog at the time. Uh, but after we bought that vehicle, God would grow our family. Rebecca would, uh, would ride in the vehicle that I would buy from home from the hospital when she was born. But I told my wife, I decided what I wanted. Some of you that know vehicles a little bit want to know what I'm talking about. The rest of you bear with me just for a moment. But one of my favorite engines ever made, North American engine, for passenger cars, a, a GM 3800 engine. I think it's one of the, personally, I think one of the best engines ever made. I'm speaking of engines made uh, back years ago. Phenomenal engine. Uh, they get great fuel mileage. They had a great longevity record. They just a great engine. So if we call that the heart of a vehicle, and I, in a way it is the heart of a vehicle. So what I did, I told my wife, I said, hey, I said, I'm going to show you some cars, and you pick what kind, what kind of car you want. Now, can I tell you what I did? I showed her all the GM cars. Now, we were looking at used cars. Uh, I showed her all the GM car lineup that all had a 3,800 engine. Uh, I showed her all of them. And we went looking at some used cars, and finally, uh, I bought a Buick. Only Buick I've ever owned, I think. Uh, I bought a, a Buick. I can't remember the name of the car now. What are those cars called? Anyway, I bought a Buick. And LeSabre, Buick LeSabre. And it was a nice car, it had dual climate control, and this is back when that wasn't a normal thing. Uh, it had uh, computer-controlled uh, suspension, air ride suspension. Uh, it had the super thick, soft seats. I mean, you sit down there, and you could sleep while you drove. It was a nice car. That was nice. My wife liked that. It was a beautiful dark maroon color, which was gorgeous. It was a nice car. It was a single-owner vehicle owned by an old couple. The back seat had, I don't think, ever had somebody set in it. I mean, it was looked mint. My wife liked all the pretty things about the car, and I enjoyed them. But I wanted it because it had the right engine. <laughs> it had the engine that I trusted and that I wanted. Christian, can I tell you that we get so concerned about the outside, we get so concerned about all the peripheral things, and yet God's concerned about our heart. God was calling David because he wanted a man after his own heart, and we see that in David. Let her be in your notes. We see the purpose for David's calling, but let her be, we see the process, the process of David's calling. God guided Samuel through the process of selecting the next king. While Samuel looked on the outward appearance, God's selection was not based on that, as we talked about. 
And Jesse brought his sons, and one by one, they rejected and 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 rejected. And finally, David came. Finally, David came. Samuel went through the seven sons of Jesse, but God did not approve of them. God's looking for a people with a heart for God, a desire to follow him in obedience. Acts 12, or Acts 13, excuse me, verse 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. This is, this is God's testimony which shall fulfill all my will. Let me read a quote to you from Robert Murray Machine. He wrote to a missionary friend just after his friend had been ordained and said these words. In great measure, according to the purity and perfections of the instrument, will be the success. It is not great talents God blesses so much as great likeness to Jesus. A holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. Not only do we see here the selection of David, but we see the sanctification. Look at verse 13 there in your text. We see the sanctification of David as well as the selection. It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose up and went to Ramah. In the Old Testament, that horn of oil was a picture of the Holy Spirit. Now today, the moment that you got saved... Believer, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. Jesus said before he ascended the Father, I send the promise. The Holy Spirit is that promise, that seal. Uh, he is the resident in us. He fills us. He leads us. He guides us. He strengthens us. Uh, the Old Testament, they did not have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, but yet we see here that God's Spirit came upon David in this anointing. First uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse 18, Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning and plain, and a mighty valiant man, a man of war, and prudent in matters, a comely person, and the Lord is with him. That's a unique verse. Very unique. Can I tell you when that verse falls? It falls after the anointing of David. Before David became king, when he walked in, Samuel didn't say, oh, that's a mighty man of war. <laughs> Boy, that's a, that's a powerful man. That's a valiant man, a mighty man. No. What made the difference? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God made the difference. The Spirit of God's anointing on David even before he would become king. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. 
Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. Although Samuel anointed David that day to be king, he was anointed. It would be several years before he would become king of Israel. It would be several years before David would sit on the throne and rule. But we see here that Samuel anointed him to be the king. While David waited, and, and get this, get this, get this, get this. While David waited to fulfill the role of king, someday in the future, David's going to sit on that throne. So what did David do? He just sat around, twiddled his thumbs. And, and when someone said, what are you doing, David? Oh, I'm just waiting. One day I'm going to be king. What are you doing now? Oh, I'm just waiting. No, that's not what David did. One day David was set on the throne. From the day of his anointing to the day of his coronation, what did David do? What did David do? He continued steadfast watching his father's sheep. Hold on a minute. He's the king. I'm sure when his dad said, hey, David, why don't you go take care of the sheep? Here's what we would have done. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to be the king. I don't have to listen to you anymore, Dad. I'm the king. But that's not what he did. He obeyed his father. When his father said, hey, take some cheeses and take some bread and I'm sure he said, take some coffee uh, and go see your brothers, see how they do at the, at the battle. He didn't say, you can't tell me what to do, Dad. I'm the king. No, he obeyed. May we stay faithful in the service God has given us now, whatever that is, as we wait for a future service God may have. Don't ever miss being faithful on the journey all the way. David's journey of faith would prepare him to be king one day. It was that journey that he was on that would lead him to the throne. But we're going to focus next week and the week after not on David reigning, not on David the king. We're not going to see the giant sequoia of kings, King David. Rather, we're seeing that little seedling as it begins to grow, as God began to strengthen and to build David by faith. As a Christian, I am saved, I was saved by faith, by grace through faith, the Bible says you saved. Not of works lest any man should boast. That, that faith is not a hill that I've got to push up. Rather, it's immediate. How many have ever had to start a vehicle with a bad starter, a manual transmission? Put, how many have ever push-started vehicle? You know, you, you get it, put it, take it out of gear, you push it. As it gets rolling really good, you jump in, press the clutch, put it in gear, 
pop the clutch and use the, that connection between the transmission and the engine to turn the engine to get it started. I had an old Bronco 2 that was a five-speed, and the, tr the starter went out on it. Actually, a flywheel. The teeth were missing out of the flywheel. The teeth of my flywheel looked a lot like the average West Virginia girl. But anyway, it was missing a lot of teeth. But we, I went out in the bush one day, and I had to push start it. And I parked it on a hill because I'm smart. It's hard to push start a vehicle if it's on flat ground if you're by yourself. And I parked it on a hill. But what I wasn't so smart about, I parked it, tried to push start it backwards and it didn't start. And then I was at the bottom of a hill and a bowl. <laughs> and I can't push a vehicle uphill. Brother, Brother Eric, you probably can because you're much stronger than me, but I just I can't do it anymore. I'm getting old and weak. But I had to get that vehicle up to the hill. And all I had with me, I had some uh, ratchet straps, you know, the nylon ratchet straps. And I had a farm jack, a jack all, and didn't have chain. All I had, so I had the, I connected the strap to a tree and uh, the strap to uh, the vehicle and the strap to the jack. And I used that jack all to, to pull this much. But when I pulled this much, because I'm dealing with things that stretch, I gained about that much every time I pulled. Then I had to put a block of wood under the vehicle, stretch everything back out, and gained about that much. Put a block, and I just slowly had to climb that vehicle up the hill. I got to the top of the hill, and I prayed, Oh, God of Elijah, <laughs> God, of, God of Abraham and Isaac, God, please start this vehicle. Man, I felt like Elijah praying on Carmel for fire to come down. It started. But I had to slowly get it up the hill. Faith for salvation is not, I got to finally make it and finally, ha, now I've saved. No, the moment you believe. Faith for salvation is instantaneous. But Christian, this faith for your walk with Christ and growing with Christ is very much like pulling that truck up the hill. It's that little progress and we're going to see next week as we, we see a little more about David and this progress of faith and believing God and trusting God as God would have the journey for him. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to grow together in faith. Thank you for your book. Thank you for encouraging us and helping us. Lord, I pray that you would bless all those traveling to be here this morning, bless all the events of today, our meal, the preparation uh, Lord, I pray you'd use your word powerfully in hearts today. Uh, God, may we be thankful. May we praise you and worship you this morning for your goodness. Uh, Lord, would you bless us today. Help us to honor you. In your precious name we pray. Amen.